Hey Josh, how are you today? Great, Jason, nice to see you. Nice to see you, thanks so much for joining. Uh, sure. Shall I even ask, how are things? Well, you know, dealing with it every day just like everybody else, hanging around the house trying to keep track of everything. But feeling good, right? I'm healthy, yeah, I'm healthy so far. Probably one of the most important things, if not the most important thing. Yep. Yeah. So, hey, I wanted to uh, catch up with you because I had the opportunity, what was it, about 10 days ago? Not even. I, I don't know if this is like you, but I've lost all sense of time. Mm -hmm. um, my weekends that I thought was a weekend, there was no weekend this past weekend, but I've lost all sense of time. But I had the opportunity to watch your video and read your commentary about the huge opportunity for the reset, the, the big reset. Yeah. Um, and you know it it matches a lot of the thinking that i have also yours was much more elegantly put together around those key five areas um and i thought that if you wouldn't mind you could share some of your thinking around this with us and you know first of all why you think it's time for the reset mm -hmm. uh, and then second of all how do we make sure we don't go back to the status quo uh and actually follow through with the reset which that's the juicier part of the conversation, but yeah. let's cover those five work budgets, <clears throat> leadership, trust, and HR well, first. Sure. Let me sort of explain what, how I got to that. Um, you know, for me, having been through the 2000 recession and the 2008 recession, um, I was already getting a sense for quite a while that the economic upcycle we were in was fraying at the edges. And the issues of employee productivity, employee experience, work-life balance, um, all of the issues of depression, loneliness, suicide rates going up. I mean, as much as the stock market was doing great, there was a lot of evidence that the human side of business was getting stressed and stressed and stressed. And I always thought that the reason for that wasn't that anybody was doing anything wrong, but at the peak of an economic cycle, we tend to push people harder and harder and harder, and every company is trying to outperform every other company. And we had this digital disruption that digitized the business we were in, but didn't digitize the people part of the business very well. I mean, we tried, we certainly worked at it, but we weren't there yet. And sure enough, I knew, so, I just sensed that there was going to be a straw that was going to break the camel's back. And that's kind of where we are, is that we're now in the middle of that reset, of for person, first of all, obviously the, the health crisis that's, that's going on, which is the most important one, but there's also a reinvention of the work environment and the business cycle as well. And I think that's where, where that came down to is uh, that article was my attempts to, to write something I've been wanting to write for months about, you know, what, when is this ever gonna end? And um, so basically what I talked about was, that, you know, the, really there's five sort of dimensions to it. The first is the way we work digitally um, is really being transformed radically now. Now, a lot of us worked at home for a long time, but now we've got Zoom and we've got AI and it's getting smarter and smarter and smarter and smarter. And, and these things are gonna be accelerated and every company, even if you're a bank or you know, an insurance company or a manufacturer is gonna have to deal with this. Um, the second is budget cuts. And honestly, I don't like layoffs or furloughs as much, you know, as more than anybody else, but I do know that most companies have layers and layers and layers of bureaucracy. And one of the companies I interviewed out here in Silicon Valley, I won't mention the name of it, it's a very, very well-known successful company, said, you know, I feel like we're going through 
the world with barnacles. We've added on all these things as we've grown and they're slowing us down now. So now you get to shave the barnacles off your company. Hey Josh, can I ask you a question about that real quick just yeah. while you're at that one? Yeah. Like, so do you remember, I mean, of course you do, in 2008, that was the time where we got to shave the fat. Yeah. Um, we got rid of a lot of jobs and there was the conversation at the time that, hey, these jobs are never gonna come back. Um, you know, the question is, did they come back and now they're gone again or well, did they come back differently? You know, I don't, I mean, jobs are constantly changing. So it's not like jobs go away forever. Every, every job that goes away, some other form of it does come back later in the up cycle. So, so I don't think this is like the end of a whole class of jobs. All these retail people that are being laid off, there's going to be retail again. I mean, it's going to come back, but it'll be different. Um, but I think the bigger issue for us as internal HR types is bureaucracy, systems. I mean, look at all the HR tech tools that people have been buying and building and the VCs have been investing in. We don't need all that stuff. Right. It's too much. Yep. And, you know, I'm a big part of it, but I'm the first to say we don't need 4,000 HR tech vendors. So, and, and because they've all been selling stuff to different companies who are buying it. So, you know, I've heard this over and over again. So that's number two is really simplifying, um, you know, the, the organizational experience at work. Um, the third is, is the issue of leadership and a lot of research is coming out on this. And I wrote another article on this because just watching the political system gives you a lesson in leadership. Um, at this particular point in time, I think the most important um, characteristic of leadership is empathy. It's caring, it's taking care of people. Um, and the CEOs that are doing that well are getting really their people rallied behind them. Um, and so it isn't a time to be thinking about the bottom line quite so much when people are worried about their lives, including CEOs worrying about their lives too. So there's, and then there's this issue of truth and telling it like it is uh, and listening and, um, and caring for people um, in different ways than you have before. And those are, those are all you know, sort of good things for leadership. We'll probably take those with us at least for a while. Um, the, four <laughs> the fourth is, you know, what I thought was really big is this issue of trust. If I think about why we have all these, you know, the, the daily briefing from Trump and all of the, you know, political arguments we have between pointing fingers at who did what to who, it's because we don't trust each other anymore. And we don't trust each other um, for a whole variety of reasons. But I think for companies right now, um, creating a sense of trust amongst employees and customers and uh, every all of the stakeholders is central. And one of the central parts of trust is competence, doing things well. People don't trust you if you're not competent. So um, we in HR have to be extremely focused on the quality of what we do, even though we're doing less of it now, when people have very little tolerance and frankly are afraid of things that aren't going to work right. And then the fifth reset is really HR. And when I wrote that piece a week or two ago, I was thinking about all the dynamics of HR and how important HR is. And what's occurred to me since then is that one of the things I think we're learning in HR, we're doing a big webinar tomorrow with, with some big, big shot HR types, but um, is that every company has a black swan event more often than you think. Now, this is a big one that we're all going through together, but Boeing just had one. Wells Fargo had one. Yep. Enron had one. 
lots of companies have these crisis events where something blows up. It's an accident, a, a, an ethical crisis, um, yeah. somebody gets sick. And we have to be ready for that. So I think one of the things that's also being tested in HR is how quickly can we respond and how well can we listen to every individual voice in the company that might be saying something that's symptomatic of a problem we have to address. Now, some companies have done this for a long time. Diane Gerson's gonna be on the call tomorrow from IBM, but they've got lots of tech people. A lot of companies don't have that. So there's this really, um, I think, re-energizing of HR that's going on to you know, be really like a first responder. Yep. And I think that's kind of a cool thing. So those are all the five big things I've been sort of thinking about. So like when you think about that and you think about this reset, you know, and I, you know, I'm not even sure we've actually had time to start the reset yet. You know, I think we're, I mean, as I always explained it the last 10 days, the economy was going like a freight train, you know, full steam ahead and it hit a wall as hard as it could. And now we're in aftershock, you know, there's, we're kind of in aftershock mode where we're still, you know, picking up the pieces and dealing with employee crisis and should I work from home and, you know, what if this and what if that. Um, but I think that the reset is going to begin in the next 30 days or so. And, uh, you know, the question is, is how do we not go back to status quo? And that, you know, that's kind of my mission. Well, the way I think about it, yeah, I mean, I, if I think about all these, you know, I've been an analyst a long time, so I've been thinking about these types of things for about 20 years. I, I think we go through these philosophical waves and we're in, the, we're in the end of a philosophical wave that had to do with growth, digital disruption, tech, tools, data, AI. I mean, we get just totally gaga about all that. This next wave is gonna use that, so we're not gonna throw any of that away, but we're gonna add to that resilience, uh, caring, like one of the biggest things that I think has happened in companies that everybody is realizing now is that every individual in the company is extremely important for something. And every individual has the opportunity to do incredible things if they're given the right uh, opportunities and empowerment and tools and information. Um, which means we have to design the company sort of from the individual in, not from the company out. If I, if I think about the biggest Thing that's changed over the digital disruption era we're in, it's really that um, all of these organizational structures that we had that were designed to control people and align them kind of have to be rewired for this individual um, series of very, very highly empowered, important people. And I think this you know, reflection on health and safety and individual caring is part of that evolution. So, so I think this is gonna, some of this is gonna stick. I mean, we'll go back to making a bunch of money and we'll go back to buying too much stuff again eventually. Yeah. <laughs> It'll you just know, take a while. You know, I, I don't wanna take too much of your time, but one of the things that, um, that I found fascinating is that you were probably one of the first analysts, if not the only analyst in the space, that was talking a lot about health and wellness. Uh, you were talking about health and wellness, you know, while other people were still talking about benefits. I mean, you were talking about benefits and benefits outsourcing. You were talking about health and wellness, both physically and mentally, um, at least for the last 12 months, if not longer. Um, and I assume that goes back to what you said earlier about how you could feel that there was this tension 
about to happen. Well, you know, the reason I was, we, we build a whole program in the academy around it. The reason I did, the reason I felt aware of it, it was that I, I got the feeling that the well-being initiative, which by the way, is a 45, it was a $45 billion industry until a month ago. I don't know how big it is now. Um, was a response to work just being hard and people doing all sorts of things to try to patch up the difficulties of being on the job all the time and dealing with all these digital tools and you know interruptions and you know conflicts and priorities and things that everybody goes through every day um and so i i was never you know i'm not a healthcare person by background but i always sensed that that was a um, a band-aid that was being applied to a bigger problem and we should figure out what the problem is and that that was really where i came from now obviously it really is a crisis yeah keeping people healthy <clears throat> when you when you think of the reset you know one of the things that uh, that i think is going to happen is people are going to of course reset priorities and when you think about reprioritizing a function the combination of hr and technology you know where, where would you tell people to start well, I think it, it comes back, it comes down to the individual human beings first. Um, if you look at Satya Nadella did a, um, apparently a company-wide meeting yesterday and I got some notes from it. And he pretty much talked mostly about how each individual at Microsoft needs to be taken care of first. And then we can work on our projects and our customers and everything else we have to do. So, so that's to me is the, the big lesson here. And, you know, having worked in HR for so long, I think HR people get that, but but the people that haven't worked in HR don't think about it maybe that way all the time. Um, and it is an opportunity maybe for us in HR to um, remind ourselves that we, I mean, we were calling it employee experience for the last few years, that if the employees don't feel good about what we're doing, we're probably not working on the right stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. And what, you know, and I think it, I think one of the things that we're learning right now is it's employee experience, both in good times and in bad. Right. Right. We were talking about the good times. This is now, a new, this is a new moment that matter that we weren't talking about uh, a couple yeah. months ago. So what do you think, you know, your, what's your advice to vendors? right now i mean uh, you know i know you know you work with well, a lot of vendors, vendors i mean day. it's a tough time for vendors i i was i wrote an article on that i i think two things one is you cannot be tone deaf to the reality that your customers do not have time to deal with your product and listen to your sales pitch unless it helps them with their urgent needs at the moment so the fact that your product is free or really low cost or that doesn't matter they're too busy so you have to get focused on the problem they're dealing with right now, which is organizational stress, the, the, the virus and all the responses to that and massive changes in roles, layoffs, restructuring, all those things that are going on right now. If you can get your product and service oriented to, the, to those types of problems, you're gonna have an audience. If you have something that was sort of a nice thing to have and now it's free, I don't think people are going to be that excited about it right now. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge for a lot of vendors, but it comes down to listening and really being close to your clients and understanding what their problems are and, and, and having them being a, having a relationship where they trust you to do the right thing for them. And if you do that, there's still going to be a lot of business out there. So you and I have been kicking around this space for a while and um, you know, is this the biggest reset, Josh? Is this the biggest reset that we're going to go through, that we've gone through? I, I mean, I think if I think about my career, 
I was laid off in the 2000 recession. So that one was big for me personally. I remember that vividly. Um, we had started our research conference in 2008. So I was very aware of that one, whether we were gonna be able to pay the credit card bills on that one. But I think this one is the biggest. Um, I'm, I don't worry about getting laid off, but I worry about maybe getting sick and dying. Yeah. So that's actually even bigger. So I think, and, and I think the, the impact on the economy could be much bigger than we realize. Um, and that worries me a lot and where that ends up. I mean, we were talking a little bit earlier, what seems to be going on in the economy is there's a whole group of industries that are just getting destroyed temporarily. And then there's a whole other group that are just exploding. Yeah. So we have this gigantic, massive disruptive shift of people and skills and dollars to these new things that we need. Um, and that's not good for the economy or for, for people either. So this, this may be the biggest one that I've lived through. And I think a lot of people would probably agree with that. Yeah, I, I personally think that it's our, you know, it's, it's you know, and who knows who's going who's gonna to work, keep working longer, you or I, but, you know, for whatever reason, for me, it feels like it's the last big opportunity, you know, for HR to do this reset, if it's going to do the reset, like, it, for whatever reason. Well, we, like, we haven't had the global climate crisis yet, Jason. Yes. We got the virus without before the global climate. I was waiting for some city to go underwater. That hasn't happened. So, you know, yeah. there could be more ahead. <laughs> so one of the things that you've done, and it's been so fascinating over time to, you know, watch analysts, you know, <clears throat> the analyst space that you've grown and, you know, become the top analyst in the, in the industry. You know, you started the Josh Burson Academy um, mm -hmm. or JBA yeah. um, was about a year ago, probably now. Yeah. Um, could you talk about that? Because I think that it's so ripe for the world we live in now and the reskilling that's needed. Well, thank you, Jason, for giving me a chance to do a little pitch. Um, it was originally my way of taking all the information I've gathered over the years and trying to distribute it more effectively and a lower cost to more people. And so, so I found a great company to work with and we built it into this instructional forum. And I found as we were getting it out there that there was this huge un- build appetite for really good business-oriented professional development for HR people. And that's what it is. And it is a combination of uh, information that comes from people like me, but also from other HR people. So we spend a lot of time interviewing and videotaping, and now it's all online, but uh, we will eventually go back to face-to-face, -to -face, um, getting stories of incredibly innovative um, ideas and how you can learn from them and then putting people into a very highly collaborative experience so everybody can go through the learning journey at their own pace. Um, so it's, it's, it's become, we have almost 8,000 people in there now. So it went from wow. zero to 8,000 people in about 10 or 11 months. Um, we're building a capability model and a capability assessment so you can sort of see where your own strengths and weaknesses compare to the, to the sort of the global norms. Um, there's a million topics we're working on in a lot of different areas right now. We're focusing on, we're going to launch a big program on remote work and then one on coaching. And then we're going to get back to employee experience and some of those other topics. Um, and, you know, and, and it's, it's an opportunity for me to spend time being more of a consultant and less of an author. I mean, when I was doing the research reports, you remember, I mean, we used to spend a year and a half or two years writing a research report and it was a big slog. This content, we can develop it much faster. It's much more 
uh, dynamic. We can update content every six months or a year without having to rewrite it. Um, so it's a different type of a medium for communication. <clears throat> and the thing that's been the most gratifying for me is the way people come in there and they get to talk to each other and they get to know each other and they share with each other. And there's so much incredible goodwill in this profession that we're tapping into. So in some ways there's content, but in some ways we're facilitating a lot of learning from each other. And that's, you know, a lot of that comes from the, you know, the, the architecture of nomadic learning who I've worked with to build all this. So um, that's kind of what it is. And there's a whole bunch of new things I'm working on around that. And it's not very expensive. So, uh, you know, for those people listening to this that are out there doing HR and you've got a little bit of time at home, Sign up now. <laughs> yeah. You can learn some cool stuff while you're hanging around the house, taking care of your kids. Runs on mobile, runs on, you know, desktop. Um, it's a very nicely designed experience. Well, and, and Josh, would you say that there's a couple courses out there that are really, really applicable to the time that we're in right now that people, you know, if they want, you know, for people to dive in, and I'm sure they will, like that they should start with? Well, the courses go in cycles and they come, they, they open and close and open and close in cycles. I mean, the one that's starting this week is called the Remote Work Bootcamp. Okay. And we're going to announce it on Wednesday or Thursday. So that one, everybody will get a kick out of because there's all sorts of cool stuff on there and what it's really like to work at home and the, the norms and the rules and the, the culture of that. Um, uh, let's see what else. I think the one on people analytics is fascinating. People have really gotten a lot out of that because it isn't about analytics. It isn't about statistics. It's about storytelling and consulting and listening and, and, and advising people based on data. So I think everybody can gain value from that. You don't have to be a techie to, to learn about that. Um, what else? Um, and then the other one that's been very popular is the first one we built called people as a competitive advantage, which is an opportunity for you to sit down and think about the role of humans in your business relative to machines and technology and tools and everything else. And everybody that goes in there does a whole bunch of head scratching about the roles that are important in their company and how they can be more dynamic and agile and supporting those roles and that one. So that's the other one I'd recommend, but they're all good. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's helpful. I mean, I think that, you know, the world we're in today, I, there's going to be a lot of reskilling needed. Um, and I think that, you know, part of a reset like this is going to be reskilling and the fact that, you know, I mean, as far as I know, you know, I mean, I do some adjunct teaching at the University of Minnesota and the stuff that we teach is, you know, old compared to, I mean, this is the only education for HR professionals in today's now of work that I know of. Um, so well, thank you for saying that, Jason. I'm, I'm glad you feel that way because we're pretty proud of it. And, and I hope, I hope people understand that and realize it. The other thing I would say though, by the way, is in this time when people are stressed and they're worried about their lives and their families and their parents and their kids, these experiences are very positive. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good karma in this academy and some of it is the way it's designed and some of it is the people that are in it. And you will come out of this feeling better about your job and your career and your chosen profession um, and the people you'll meet in there. So it's also a little bit of a support system yeah no that's awesome and we all know that we need that uh yeah. we need that right now so you know just in closing you know speaking of karma um you know one of the things i'd love is just any last minute advice you'd have for um for everyone for every human that's listening to this besides health uh which is of course number one but when you think about the reset you know 
reset takes a mindset and it takes a, a, in my opinion, an open mindset. Like those that have been the best at resetting quote unquote, you know, what, what are the, what are their traits? I think the thing we all have to do right now is take a very deep breath and try to virtually or physically hug the people around us and appreciate what we have. <clears throat> um, we're all going to lose a lot out of this. We're going to lose, people are going to lose their jobs. People are going to lose their lives. People are going to lose friends. We're going to lose money in the stock market. Um, God knows what else is going to happen. But, you know, at the end of it all, as they say in the Jewish faith, your health is really the only thing you have. And so appreciating the people around you on Zoom, if it has to be, or across the street, um, or waving hello six feet away, I think those are the most important things that are going get to get us through this. And so um, in some ways, this social distancing is creating a sense of closeness that we didn't even have before. So, so that may be the simplest thing that I would recommend for everybody right now. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I've been saying, hey, move six feet further away from people and move six feet closer to people yeah. on the social side. So let's practice physical distancing and let's get closer on the social side. And I think that's great, great advice. So honored and humbled you took the time to join today. I really, really appreciate it. And, thank you. Uh, for everything that you've done for the industry and all that you've taught me. You know, thank you. For well, thank you, time. Jason. That means a lot to me. Thank you for all of your friendship and support over the years, too. It's been great working together all these years. Sounds good. Thanks for taking the time. Talk to you soon. Sure. Bye. Bye. Bye.